0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the High Achievers Podcast. I am your host, Kresh Hadel. On and on this platform, we interview many experts who have gone through several trials and tribulations and really have overcome quite a bit, and now they're ready to really share their stories share their insights share their experiences to help you navigate those transitions and to become your best self we go through so much that's unnoticed and it's very easy to not just give up but really to forget why we're really doing it and it is really important to understand that the more perspective that we have the more lessons and really the more input that we get from those who really matter, the further along we could actually go. And today we have one of our very first guests, and she goes by the likes of Julie Cohn. And just a brief introduction, Julie Cohn is a lifelong learner in the arts, with watercolor being her principal medium, a teacher of watercolor, design, and art history at the college level. Julie shares her expertise with many The newest venture is an online and in-person gallery called Samsung Arts. Julie not only sustains herself through the arts, she also wants to spread her message of sustainability to all of us. She believes that everyone has the capacity to tap into intuition in order to have a great conversation with abstract acts and to make it themselves. As a watercolor artist who also works in an experimental way, pushing the limits of this extraordinary medium, Julie connects with her intuition while she paints. Each painting develops into a story that could be on her own, or that anyone viewing it, because Julie is not wet to the idea that everybody should interpret her art the way that she does. In fact, she loves to hear how new people who view a gallery relate back to their own lives. Quite a long introduction, But I'm going to allow Julie to introduce herself. Thank you for calling on Julie. A pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you so much, Craig. It's an honor to be here today.
0: Yes, awesome.
1: Thank you. I would like to share with everyone that I am the founder of a new company. It's called Sustaining Arts. And Sustaining Arts is all about sustaining ourselves through the arts. We don't need to be doing the art ourselves to feel sustained by it. However, what I decided during COVID was I needed to go to my studio no matter what, even though everybody was inside and we were all staying in our homes. And I said to myself, I'm going there this beginning of the pandemic. I'm going to paint three to four hours a day. I'm going to sustain myself there because I knew that being by myself and also connecting to higher source in that space was a very sacred thing for me. And then through doing that and going through COVID and all, I came up with this idea for a company where I would not only help myself sell my own art, but I would help a few other artists as well. So I have an in-person gallery as well as an online gallery, sustainingarts.com and there are four of us women artists we are all established and we all really have in mind sustainability for ourselves and our work is very sustainable for others in the sense that it helps people to feel relaxed as well as invigorated like our work is about positive emotions
0: yeah. So really interesting you expanding on that some more. And I want to delve a bit into your story because you have done quite a bit as far as you've spoken outside of this interview. And you have actually had multiple field experiences. And I really want you to share with our audience what brought you here, what brought you now to be one who's reading really in the ads and forming your own ad for. So, give us a bit of a background as to the Julie who started a career to so where she is currently today.
1: Okay, great. And I hope I don't need three hours because <laughs> it's a long story. But what I'll do is I'll condense it to the fact that I was nine years old when my mom took out her art supplies. I have a brother and sister who are seven and nine years older than I am. And so I had no idea my mom was an artist. When she took out her materials and I said to myself, I want to try that. And I did get into the arts when I was very young and took after school classes and all. I realized that I had a huge passion for it. I wouldn't have even known there was something about having that extra time after school and really being able to focus on developing this skill of seeing what was in front of me and copying it at first. And then over time, I would learn what's my own style, and I would eventually delve into something that was very scary for me at first, which was how do I do art from my intuition, not just from something in front of me, but how do I tap into this place inside without being scared to show my emotion. And what happened is a big story around that, which is basically the fact that I had cancer 10 years ago and I had alternative care mostly, with some allopathic care. And I ended up starting a little book which was all about my intuition and art. And it helped me to understand my healing path of cancer And it also now has really excited my art form as I've been developing my work now.
0: That's sorry to hear that. And thank you there. I could only imagine what this journey of discovery was like a lot of people go through cancer and just while that's happening, navigating several other things. And even before I continue, I just want to say also that as you go throughout your career and transition from one path to the other, generally, and you will give me your feedback on this as well, but generally, we have to be willing to go through change again and again. We have to keep reinventing ourselves. But tell us a bit more about how you have done that.
1: Reinventing myself. That's a very good thing to look at. It's constantly happening. But on one hand, if it's a big mind, body, soul shift, the way I had it after having cancer, that is a huge reinventing. And the idea that I wanted to find peace in my life, I didn't want to feel so stressed. And I had two main things that were stressing me that I think had a big influence on my getting cancer. And one of them was that my father, who actually is still alive at 93, is a Holocaust survivor from Germany. And so I carried a lot of those genes in me, that fear of another Holocaust, being Jewish. And so that was one thing that kept mounting in me over time the other thing is my mother died of cancer when I was only 27, and she was 57. So for many years, I was afraid of getting cancer too. So the combination of those two things, when my anxiety was building over time in my life, and I finally did get breast cancer, I realized this is not just happening. Because of some kind of unusual thing out there. It could be. It could have been environmental because that can happen, right? But I think for me, I knew that it wasn't just the environment or happenstance. It was actually these things that I had to move through. And I did lots of therapy about it. I understood how to become more loving to myself. And my art helped me to do that. And one of the themes that I worked on was called transformation, seeking peace. And this series is all about that shifting from a very tense, stressed life to feeling more peace and love and openness in my life. And it took me quite a few years to move through that series before I could then really expand now into very experimental art.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Quite a journey here. And I really want to speak to and for a lot of artists who have the ambition. And when I say artists, I know you do a lot of paintings, watercolor and others. but a lot of artists who are on the creative side, find it difficult to really exist in this world of technology, in this world of where everything is going digital. And really, the second part of that question is that they find it also difficult to justify pursuing the field because of the call of more traditional work. How did you navigate those challenges?
1: I've been one of those people who feels very protective and aligned with the medium of watercolor. This is my medium. Like, I'm not going to let anybody tell me. And I've had people say, oh, try it online, do watercolor digitally, or you don't have to do watercolor, try acrylic. No, this is a medium that's me. And when I found it, I had to just stay with it. It's like people who love analog photography versus digital photography. I have a friend who loves analog. He does his own developing of film still. And he loves black and white photography. So I'm saying when we find something that we love, it doesn't matter how new it is, how old it is. Does it express who we are? And the digital world is great in so many ways. In fact, one of the artists in our gallery, she writes code. She What she does is she writes specific code for every theme of artwork that she puts on the computer. So one might be called silk, another is called chrysalis, another is called spiral rects, which means spiral and rectangles. And what she does is she writes this code for color, for line, for gradation, for shapes, and then she puts it all together and a moving picture It's called generative art comes up and we see these beautiful moving images and then she can take a still from any one of those and put them on beautiful, glossy, metallic surfaces that are ready to hang. So this is somebody who works very differently, but I'm just saying there's so many ways to approach the art as long as we're being true to ourselves.
0: Yeah. What comes to mind generally is that As much as technology is really shifting the way that we produce and we sell and we monetize, it's very important to stay true. On one end, we have to evolve the times that should not be ignored. However, we have to be true to what really makes our art unique and what really allows our work to blossom for others my thing is that it doesn't mean that some change because we have to adapt as our technologies how we do business change look at the pandemic and how many people had to jump on zoom they had more users than they could handle a lot of people didn't know what zoom was they knew what it was not people as institutions they had no choice so a lot of artists really have to adapt themselves but they have to ensure that they don't lose themselves in the newness of it all. And they actually stay focused on their core platforms. The concept of a starving artist, one who's struggling to get paid for what they really want. to do. What do you have to say to that particular individual? Because for that person, they may have a part-time job and they may be dabbling in the ads, or they may be wanting to go full-time or actually already full-time. I have a friend locally who does at full time, he does various forms, quite a few paintings, and it was a bit to go through to get started, but eventually he got traction. But my point is not everyone is that fortunate. So if someone is trying to make that transition and they're struggling, what would you really say to that person right now?
1: I would say there are two main things that person needs to look at in the very beginning. And that is, do you know your medium? You can say, oh, I love watercolor, I love acrylic, I love digital art, whatever it is. Do you know how to work with that medium well enough in a particular theme? You don't have to know how to do it for everything. So, like I tell my students, if you want to learn the way to make mountains or landscape, a certain kind of landscape in watercolor, Study that specifically for a year. Don't do still life, portraits, abstract, everything. Do one thing that you really love and get good at that just as a medium, right? Because if we don't know our medium that we're working with, people can tell that right away. So take time to develop that. Know you're gonna take some time to develop that. Don't think, oh, I'm gonna just do my best art within a month and you're just starting and you're ready. It's gonna take a couple years sometimes to get that theme developed. And then the second thing is think about what you wanna say. Why do you wanna do your art? What is it you want to say the most? It's like, oh, you could do art because you think other people want this or want that. And it's okay to be commercial to some degree. Because in some ways, how do we sell our art if we don't figure out what people want, right? But we don't want to give up ourselves in the process. So if we can find a balance between both of those, like what we love and then find others who really have that same passion, then we can work with that. Like for instance, if you love bike riding, And you love doing art. And you make something with bikes in art. And then you connect with people who do bike riding. And, you know, they want to buy that because they love bikes. And they really relate to it. So whatever you're into, you can find people who love that. And you can connect with them in some way. Tell them your story. They already are there. They want to hear about it. They want to know, oh, you like what I like? And wow, you get me. And then they want that art.
0: Are you tired of managing your business from so many platforms and it's beginning to feel like a hot and expensive mess keeping track of all these logins? Did you wish you had a single yet cost-effective solution to perform and delegate admin tasks so you can stay on top of things? That is where our sponsors ClientJoy comes in. Serving 13,000 plus businesses from more than 90 countries, you can use ClientJoy for your proposals and contracts, invoicing, CRM, appointment scheduler, client portal, email outreach, and so much more. Simply check the link in the show notes or visit couragehandle.com forward slash clientjoy to learn more about their plans and also to grab the exclusive lifetime deal reserved just for our special audience. In your experience, do you believe that credentials matter as much in the creative space?
1: This is a very interesting question. I don't think selling art requires credentials. I do believe that in my case, if you want to show in certain galleries or certain museums, they look at that. What's your background? And I have two degrees. I did not get a master's, but I got a BA and a BFA in art. And I also have my teaching credential. And and I've been teaching college level for over 25 years. Some of these things, you don't have to say, I have this credential. You can say the things you've done and you can have awards. There's all many ways to have credentials. You could have helped people in a certain way that's very unique and very generous and share, I have given my time as a volunteer to this particular organization and done this. And that's a credential. So my feeling is, if we only look at credentials based on school, it's really the wrong way to go. Because we have so much potential in us, no matter what schooling we've had, we just keep learning in the way that we want to learn. And if we have something very deep and meaningful and special to share visually as artists, that's what we need.
0: Awesome. You actually dubbed you into my next question. and. It really comes along the lines of a lot of artists monetizing their work and really the best ways get started because some people may say intern, some people may say do some art for free. I know in the music business, you have a lot of artists, whether it's SoundCloud, whether it's these other platforms, Spotify, they have a lot of free beats. They have a lot of, even chosen some music for this podcast. They have a lot of free Samples that they put out, and that as a strategy may work if you're actually very good because you get the visibility and you also, yeah, you get the visibility, and that also leads to paid work. But in general, from your experience, would you recommend that approach for an artist where they have some art that they prepare, they put it online? Doesn't mean you have to give everything, but would you recommend they put in quite a bit of free sample work, or if you were from Fresh, how would you do it?
1: I would not put artwork for free. I just don't do that. I would have it at a small price if I wanted to really get my prints out there. And especially online is a different medium than in person. And I've been studying this for the last year and a half, trying to understand how do you sell online? It is definitely different from in-person, I decided to have an in-person gallery, which is a very different experience with people. They come in, they get a little food, they get a little tea. It's a real experience in the flesh. It's a different thing, but online, we're not giving them all those comforts, right? When they come to see the art, the comfort we can give them is the story about an art piece that we are excited about and that we think others will really enjoy. What is the story that we wanna share about that online? And we get people to give us our email through learning that story or they want a gift from that. So if I have something to offer them, I say, okay, this is a wonderful story about this art. And if you want a free gift, put your email here and you get that little gift from me. And then that person is on my email list. It's a very direct list, right? That's more important than social media in terms of getting them to have communication with me because the algorithms on social media aren't always what they say they are. You think you're getting to a lot of people and sometimes you're not. So I think this method, I'm starting to learn about this method and I'm very excited about it just this email way of having interaction.
0: This is good. And this actually dovetails into what I wanted to cover next. A lot of creative people do not understand the importance of marketing the work. Yes, you may be good at what you do. You may be very talented. Your work may be unique. That's not happy about. However, it's not going to sell itself. And exactly. that's where a lot of... There are plenty of talented people artists just like in other fields like sports, music, dance, choreography, directors, etc., who are very good at what they do, but no one knows them. And mm-hmm. we live in a time where as much as it's easy to spread your work online to the world because it's digital, it's as easy as uploading a YouTube video or to another platform. It's also more competitive. So you would find a lot of creatives getting lost in that. So whether it's an email list, it's something I typically tell people to do. Even if you're popular on a particular social media platform, algorithms change. I remember a time when it wasn't me, where Facebook pages were extremely popular, people were getting a ton of rich and eventually one algorithm changed and the rich is almost dead. Oh my God. One goodness. out of a hundred of your Audience actually sees your post. So that's a really hard slap if you only rely on one platform. For a creative person, really taking control of their own audience, we all use social media, we have to, but doing that from the start typically is very, very helpful. And really, it will help also to identify your core fan base because you would be able to speak to them more intimately. So I'm really glad that you said that. So let's go to one who's maybe a little more intermediate. Maybe they're not starting out. They have a gallery, and they're really looking to expand. So whether it's more galleries, whether it's really expanding their team and really serving at a higher level now, meaning that they're going to bigger galleries, they're getting invited for other showcases. What would you say to that particular individual who's really looking to make that transition?
1: It depends on if the transition is for getting known or for selling. And I think we need to look at both of those things differently. Some people just want to get known for what they do, they don't care if they sell. That is their main purpose. They want a message out there. And they want to get into museums, they want to get into very well known big galleries in New York. They'll probably sell there, but I'm just saying. Sometimes people do artwork not to sell, but those who do it for sale and for meaning, which is in my case, I want both of those things. I wanted to take control of my own selling by having my own gallery. People don't have to have their own gallery, but they can do their own marketing online and they have to have a good website You have to have a good website, whether people buy directly from that or not, or buy directly from the artist by talking with them. It should be monetized. There should be Shopify or whatever is needed to sell the work on that gallery. And the person looks serious as an artist when they have a gallery. If they don't have that website, even though some could say they're more old-fashioned, they could put it on Instagram, which is fine also. But there's something about a website it's really organized differently from instagram it's not just like a sound bite it's actually really going in and learning more about in my case all the artists we all have videos on the more section in sustainingarts.com and it's also great because there's ways that we can give on the website as well so i have a whole lot of things that i give out to people and on Instagram, we can't do that. And maybe you can, maybe you have a link that you can give and move them to the website.
0: <laughs> and generally, the platforms are making changes where you could actually sell, but the point is you don't really have much c- control over the medium. And I don't think necessarily they shouldn't use the platform, but it shouldn't be the main thing that they rely on. I'm actually glad you spoke of the website because a lot of creatives hesitate to even have a website formerly, and we still do a bit of it privately. I used to build websites for clients and service providers. And I can tell you that generally a lot of people are creative Once, so one, they hesitate to actually have their own website, they believe the expense is not worth it. They believe that they wouldn't need it. But the point is that a website has more than one purpose. And I'm very glad you said this. Even if they're not selling directly on the website, is like a digital portfolio. So let's say you have a gallery in Kansas, right? And right. you want people to know about your gallery and the fastest way to get them to know who you are, strangers that is, and to really know, see what you do so they could visit you, is the actual website. So the point is whether or not you sell online directly, that's completely personal. Though if you simply have the information there where they could actually get contact permission and follow up, that typically is something that creators at the very minimum should invest in, not just investing in in that they get a template, although that's something that is available that can be done, but they could even pay someone to do it well, because it does matter how you, your digital face really does matter. And even in a time like this, where people may say expenses are high, it's very expensive not to do that because digitally... We won't stand out. You may be an excellent artist, but no one will know if they don't see if they don't see it demonstrated in exactly. any ways. Are they waiting for someone else to put them on? So the exactly. may have to do a little bit of promoting, but generally you have full control and you own that medium. So I'm really glad that you said that. Running your online business doesn't have to be overwhelming, complicated, or confusing. Simply use get Dream customers to get more clients and customers to your company without the tech mess. We have coaches, consultants, course creators, and service providers of all kinds with establishing a commanding digital presence that gets them more customers, makes them more money, and gives them the lifestyle freedom that they truly desire. Also, you can purchase one of our custom plug and play websites, funnels, and business in a box templates. So you can keep focused on your best and most profitable activities while still having a premium presence. Check out the link in the show notes of visit GetDreamCustomers.com to learn more. So, Julie, let's delve into marketing. I know we've touched on it because now in this comparative space, a lot of creators, and yes, Julie is speaking about that, but this actually applies for creatives in other spheres as well, because it's a similar process. And generally, it's competitive. We know with Spotify and with many other platforms, whose business models now has turned to where they license creations, just like music is actually... Now, people don't just sell albums. They sell and they get a percentage of what is sold through a platform. So the point is now, there are many more avenues to monetize. So whether you solely use your site or you solely use... So you do that in conjunction with another platform, artists now have way more options, but that has also been coupled with the field becoming more competitive. So if one has a limited marketing budget, right? So maybe they have the website, and now they want to get the word out there. What are some tips you would have for them, for that particular individual? So maybe they may not also have the budget to run advertisements, Facebook ads, or any other media how would you recommend that they get work out there to a larger audience?
1: I feel that the idea of website is very good, but there are certain kinds of websites and there are certain ones that are called funnel websites and they help you specifically get your message out there. It's a program to learn. Like an understanding through education, how to put oneself out there. Like for instance, I may put a little bit of a video or something about one of the artists in the gallery, and I'll talk about and I'll put a picture of their art and talk about it, or they'll talk about it, and and that can go out through that kind of funnel website. So it's not a big website. People need to have the one that has the pictures, all the stuff on there of their art. And that can grow into the website. Funnel, you move from one kind of advertising to the people. And how do they start getting excited and hooked about your art? Again, the story is what's important. But I have a feeling that these websites that are not the big website, the littler websites that are called funnel ones, I believe those may be the ones that help people most to get to that person directly. And the reason is this, I put all this work into my website, which is great. Do people take more than five minutes to look at that website? Probably not. Maybe most people take two minutes. I have enough on that website for like hours <laughs> of viewing, all kinds of things. However, the attention span of people these days is very small. <laughs> So we want to go, okay, what do we zap to you, give to you right now, make it short, make it sweet. And it goes directly to you through a Facebook ad or something like that. Basically, we need to look at what is the attention span of people right now? And what do they love to do? And how do we get that to them quickly?
0: Have you been wanting to start your online business? but shocked at how pricey software is. Are you just fed up with how ridiculously expensive it is becoming to run and scale your online business when funds are already limited? That is where Groove.cm come in. From your pages and funnels to blogging, affiliate marketing, selling and hosting your courses and memberships, running your e-commerce stores, video hosting, email marketing, and more. Groove.cm is all that you need to compete with the best without feeling lost and like you need a PhD in marketing. We use it to run all of our websites and marketing, and it continues to save us thousands yearly, hours monthly, and has definitely recession-proofed our business. Simply check the link in the show notes or visit crashharder.com forward slash grove to learn more about their plans and also to check out and grab the industry-leading lifetime deal today. Groove.cm because customers matter. So, just to expand on this, let's move offline. And let's say someone, maybe they have this or they don't, and they're looking for extra avenues to promote their work. Are there any effective? Oh, yes. That you would recommend for an artist Definitely. to really get themselves yeah. out there?
1: Yeah. There, there are specific cafe.org is. One of the platforms or links that one can go to online and what it is, different organizations, companies, galleries, etc., are inviting artists to submit their work. They actually have to pay to submit the work. It's not a lot, but most of the time they have to pay to see if they can get into a show, into an exhibit. So that's one way of doing it. The very old fashioned way is to go into a gallery, look at the gallery, see if it's the right thing. Does this work in here look like my work? And then ask the gallerist, are you taking submissions online? Or can I come back in with a portfolio? to show you, like an actual portfolio to bring in. Most of the time, gallerists do not like people walking in to just see if they can get their art in there. They want people to come in to enjoy their gallery. However, if a person's very polite about it and says, I'm just curious, do you have a submission form? Are you looking for artists at all? It's really not a bad thing to ask. We have to find out if people really want someone. And also... Put it out there to friends, family, that you are looking for spaces to put your art. Let them all know, because they often come up in an email like, Julie, I know of this show, this exhibit, they're looking for artists, or, oh, I just went to this gallery, it's amazing, and it reminds me of your art. So ask people, I want to get some help here. So there are just lots of different ways, but go out and pave the streets to go and walk and look at galleries and get a sense of what is the gallery that really fits with my work? Because not all galleries are going to go with every artist's work.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Because what strikes me is that there is a bit of subjectivity to whether one is good enough and whether one gets accepted. And one has to realize also that part of it is that they have to be persistent. They have to keep trying and they have to find unique ways to put themselves out there online and offline. I know we're transitioning quite a few things online, but offline strategies work as well, especially if your art is really in a location and you really can get it to galleries like you actually were speaking about. So. One of the things I also want to touch on is that as one, so if they're into a bit of marketing, how they could actually get their work out there, how they could actually promote themselves quite a bit. But another thing we could also touch on is one, how does one find fulfillment in their work generally when either things are tough or they're looking to be more unique? in that they have the exposure they have the popularity but now it feels a bit mundane in that the business side of things are beginning to expand and really they need to be as much as they're getting better they're also in danger of losing the uniqueness about their work so in your case what would you advise an artist to In terms of getting fulfillment from their work, because that is something that's very important, especially in art. We don't just do things just for the money. The money is important, there is no doubt, but we also like to be fulfilled, not just in that, but in other areas. What are some things you could recommend to authors in terms of getting more fulfillment from their work and also them personally?
1: Art is about sustaining oneself. When we do art of any kind, it's a way to basically get a reset, in a sense. How things happen in life that are difficult, and we go, oh, if I could just play my guitar, if I could just go do my art, and even for half an hour. It's not about how well we do it, it's not. And I think the problem that happens in many ways with people is there's a critic, and it's not even necessarily themselves. It's somebody who told them that they're not very good in some way in their life. And they let that person in to tell them they've not done a good job and they should be doing better. And this critical part of us, if we could be nice to it and say, I understand you, I see you, and I'm going to ask you to please leave right now. Like, we don't have to get mad at it. We can just say, you know what? I see you coming in. I honor that you have your needs. But I have mine. And this is how I'm going to now be with myself. I'm going to play with my art in the way that I want. I'm not even going to show anybody. This art today is for me. I don't want to have to do this for anybody else. I want to see what happens. I want to experiment. I don't want to necessarily like everything I do. It's not always to like it. It's to get my emotions expressed. Emotions expressed is more important than liking the art we do. But with time, those two things come together more and more because we have more experience with design and how to look at color and light and all those things and shape, right? But the reality is when I was healing from cancer and I made the images, some of them weren't that beautiful at all. They were really tiny. It's part of a little book that I have on my website, it's like a video about how I went through this process of just doing this little teeny weeny paintings for myself and then giving them titles. And then as I was trying to figure out my next steps with the different doctors I was talking to, I was doing the art and it was giving me ideas. Oh, I should read this book or maybe I should call this doctor or art itself is a way to process through life changes, life journeys that are difficult and it can be used like an art therapy but without the art therapist being there it's just ourselves so I do share with people how one can do that and I think that everybody can do art so that's my feeling and the commercial side like of selling that's a whole other branch of our art don't give up the first branch that first branch is always critical for us The second branch is, okay, now how do I be a little more commercial in a couple things so that maybe I can at least get the word out there on digital space. And then they'll come and they'll see who I am in all of my really authentic art eventually. But I have to know who my market is and look at that a little bit to bring some people in sometime.
0: Awesome. Awesome. What about if the criticism comes from family and the criticism comes from family Spouses as well. Oh yeah. How? What do you say to help someone navigate that?
1: Oh, I have some stories. <laughs> my husband and I have worked out a lot of this. If he's in a mood and I can tell he's just not in the right place to look at my art, I say to him, "It's not the right time to look at this." He goes, "Yeah, not really," because <laughs> if he's in a If something difficult has happened with him that day, or he's tired, or whatever, I like not a good time. Now, let's say he does say something that's not really nice, okay, about my art. I would say I could blame him, but here's the reality: anybody can say anything they want about our art. If they say something that we're affected by and we're hurt by it, sometimes it means that we need to look at that ourselves to see if it really is true versus just blaming them. They may have a bit of truth in what they're saying, or if I'm very clear that this artwork I believe is amazing, I'll just say it back to them. No, this is one of my best pieces. Stand up for yourself. Because one of the things that my cancer was about was not speaking up. Breast cancer can have affiliated with it the idea that we don't speak up for ourselves. And for me and my family, a wonderful loving family, but also sometimes critical and overwhelming. I'm going to give you advice before you're ready. <laughs> this is the kind of family they'll just jump right in and give me advice. And I did not ask for it. <laughs> So basically, when people are like that, it's, oh, I have to decide what do I really see for myself? And ma- basically that they're coming from their own feeling of insecurity, not me. And I say to them, you, it sounds like feel better this way, doing it this way. And I need to think about what I need to do for me. It's like the separating so we don't get enmeshed with each other and blame them. It's... Anybody could say really anything they want. They can not be a nice person or they could be nice. But how do we separate from that to say, hey, you're not being like loving right now. So how can I be loving to myself? That's all we can really control.
0: Yeah. And what strikes me as well is that sometimes it's not who's saying it, but really what or where is it coming from. Because people may criticize and sometimes, like you said, you may not like it. And sometimes it may be true. You just may not like it. Some of us are more sensitive than others. Or sometimes, like you said, the timing is just not right. Right. However, we need to learn to objectively see the criticism for what it is. But they also have to be a bit discerning in that. Sometimes people may not always have, even when they try to give feedback, they may not always have our best interest in mind the way that we actually believe. So it takes a bit of discerning. But also, it takes a bit of honesty to actually consider what one says, even if your initial reaction is not liking it very much. Julie, I want to touch on just generally how one would navigate family life and how different is it in terms of being an artist and generally... The ebbs and flows of income. Would you recommend that they stay full time, or they do it part time, or that? How would you recommend that? Okay, what would it take for one to go full time, or for them to stay do it part time more as a hobby? Where is that jumping point for you? If
1: one wants art as a hobby, it means that. There's not time put in for marketing. It's just to enjoy. The marketing aspect is a huge part of selling. And some might think, oh, it only takes maybe 20% of my day and the rest I can paint. No. In the beginning, it, to get everything set up, it could take 80% of your day as an artist to get your work out there right? And then once you have all these things set up, the website, you've got your marketing strategy with your funnels, with the smaller website, you've got these things you can give away that you've produced or developed so that when you offer things to people, you have something to give them. It may not be art, but it could be something else, like a video about how to do art intuitively. You know, what I'm saying is that that these are things I've developed over time that are gifts, and so we develop these things, and it takes some time, maybe a year or two to get all that together, right? Then, once we have that in place, an hour or two a day to work with the funnel and getting our little ads out about our work, and then we go and we do our work, but most people have to have a part-time job during all of this, at least, right? If people have a full-time job, it's a different story. The full-time job people are gonna be tired, right? You come home, you're tired. So it's gonna take longer to shift over, but it's still the same principle. You do your art, you build it up, you do it well in one area. You get really good in one area, in a meaningful area for you. Put an hour into it a week, even if that's all you can do. Two hours a week if you're full-time, right? But then eventually you start to, to see that you could maybe go part-time as you start to sell. And, but it takes a lot of time to get to a point where one can make their living as an artist. It doesn't mean it can't be done. It just means that we have to put the time into the marketing. And I didn't think it was that important to put so much time into it until I got into this gallery. Having my own gallery and seeing what a gallerist does. Oh my goodness it's a lot of work. And so I would say the only thing that I just feel super great about is that I have control over selling my art now. And I love that. So people can decide to have that control or they can give it over to other galleries.
0: Yeah. I want to just pause there because I really like what you said about deciding first of all essentially whether it's a hobby or you actually want to take it seriously because the reason why generally i don't believe you should quit the jobs immediately is because they haven't dabbled in enough so know if it's something that they really want to do full-time they may have they may be decent at it but it takes a bit more skills not just to do the art, but also to do that and also feed yourself market promote manage that side of this Manage that's the business side of things, and this goes for all the platforms as well. And people do not take the time to become honest with themselves. And however, if you really want to do it at a high level, generally you may need to put more hours into it. So whether that be just being full time or whether that's been working part time, but actually really putting a lot of extra time in. The hours really need to be put in, no matter which one you choose. But generally, as long as you can sustain yourself and you have a bit of a footing in in terms of the basics and also really being comfortable with selling, then I would say generally one should transition. And as we begin to wind down here, I want to also close with the ways currently you help artist, inspiring artist. I know you said that you also was a college professor. And, but generally right now with your current Sustained Arts platform, tell us a bit about that.
1: Okay. The entire platform itself, Sustaining Arts, is somewhat like a wheel. Like I had a friend talk with me about this idea and then I decided to develop it. And the idea was that Sustaining Arts logo could become a color wheel. So the logo for Sustaining Arts is this wheel, and I think of myself as the hub of that wheel. I'm sustaining myself. And then what I decided to do was to build out into the spokes of the wheel to other artists who are local in my area, and there are only four of us, And we all are part of the spokes of the wheel of the gallery. And then as we move out to the final wheel that rolls, the actual rubber of the wheel, that is the wheel that moves into the community to help others. And Sustaining Arts has a partnership with Habitat for Humanity. And the particular branch of it is in our area. It's East Bay Silicon Valley, Inc. And Habitat. Habitat for Humanity is a wonderful organization. As we partner with them, we have for the quality of our art, we have very affordable pricing and we also give 30% of our donate, we donate 30% of what we make to Habitat for Humanity to help those who would like to have a home, who would have never been able to secure a home in their lives, without the help of outsiders like us. So 30%, and I am so proud that the first year, $4,500 go- will, will have gone to Habitat for Humanity in our sales. We're going to build. It's going to really build every year. But we are really giving to more people than just ourselves as artists, to the buyers of our art. We're also giving to those who are in great need Of something that makes them feel safe and loved in a home so that is like the whole idea of sustainability is it just it reaches so far Greta Thunberg is somebody who I really admire so sustainability is an amazing thing that I have also on the website it's a whole section about how do we sustain our world so sustaining arts is not just about the art we sell It's about people sharing their ideas with sustaining arts, about composting, about how we work with regenerative farming, how we sustain ourselves with art. There's sustainability is a very important issue in our lives. So I invite people to get in touch with me about their stories, about sustainability in general. And I put those stories, interviews on sustaining arts. So if you go to the about page, you see these interviews including the video about how one can enjoy abstract art even if they're not an artist right how can they can do it themselves and then just get into their process or something like how to work with your composting in your backyard there's a lot of variety of things there that people can enjoy and interviews that i've had with others about why i love the ocean there's all kinds of things there about sustainability so for me Finding that title, Sustaining Arts, it's very broad. Even though it's a gallery, there's so much more to it for me than it being a gallery.
0: And as we get ready to wrap up there, tell the audience generally, if you had three pieces of advice for them, what would it be?
1: I would say not necessarily in this order, but I would say find something you love to do in your life and no matter what anybody else tells you pursue it as either hobby or you know your career but find something you love and do it as much as you can even though you have stress in your life do that thing you love and pursue it and the second thing about that is don't give up quickly Whatever you find that you love, remember when the critical voice comes in, keep doing it and keep learning. Think of it as a journey of learning. Don't think of it as, oh, I need to be good immediately. Think of it as a journey of learning and growing. And if you enjoy what you've chosen, it doesn't matter that you're not perfect at it. What matters is that you enjoy the growth and you see it and every time you get a little better, you're excited and you go, oh my goodness, I can do this. Give yourself. And then the third thing I would say is find people in your life who support you. If you have a lot of people who don't support you, look around for those who do. And let them know you need their support and you want to be supportive to them. Find those who resonate on your level where you are. And don't feel like it won't happen if it doesn't happen immediately. Keep looking. Because I believe that we have spirit behind us of some kind that helps us if we help ourselves. It may not happen right away. And the reason it doesn't happen right away often is because we, I think, need to go through challenges to appreciate when things work, finally. We need to appreciate. If things happen for us always perfectly and beautifully right in the beginning, we would not appreciate. So I think I've given you three ideas.
0: Yeah, these are actually quite profound. And it's so easy to get lost in just the intricacies and problems as we're in them. But just seeing that big picture sometimes and just being in touch with why we're really doing it, why we're really pursuing that particular path. Even if the path may not be straight, you may have to make a couple of detours. You may have to sometimes temporarily pause just for some life decisions, life transitions, having a child, etc but being clear what you really want, what you're really working towards. Generally, that really serves as a guiding star as yes. you commit yourself and as you really aim to do more and express yourself fully for your work. A common phrase in the coaching world that I like to use is, turn your mess into your message. And part of what Nick artists of All From Unique is their unique expression of, their life story going to their work, just like Picasso, just like Michelangelo and the paintings that he had. It's really his depictions of... It's really his depictions that makes the work unique. Yes, his ability was good, but his full expression, his full story, his, how he really saw things went in there. So I believe that people need the courage to not be ashamed, not be afraid of what goes wrong because things will go wrong. Things will go wrong. Unforeseen things will happen. But see how you could channel that into your actual work. See how you could actually use that to make your work stand out. And the things that go viral on the internet, the things that go, that simply catch our attention but seem so unique, right? Whether it's a new art form, whether it's a new style of art, it has to come from a unique part of you. A part of you that is willing to break the rules if you have to, metaphorically speaking. But do it in a way that something new blossoms. And that is what people should really have the courage to do. We all have our unique paths and we all really generally have to have the courage to walk that path. So, any last words before we round off?
1: Yes, I do want to say that I really appreciate our time together today. I feel like we got into a lot of depth. And I think the way you asked your questions and all really brought out parts of me that were authentic. And I appreciate being able to share that with everybody. And I just hope that from listening to us, we all can see how the arts, no matter what kind of art form it is, it basically feeds our soul and we need to honor that for ourselves. No matter what else is happening in our lives. Let's find some space to feed our soul with the arts.
0: Yeah, very profound indeed. So Julie Cohn, thank you so much for being here with us today and for really imparting your wisdom on our audience and the links to her website and to her other platforms will be in the show notes. So be sure if you're listening, you're on the road or you're in your favorite podcast app, be sure to check it there afterwards. Creature.com slash show notes. So again, thank you so much, Julie. Thanks for coming on and it's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you so much. It has. Take care.
0: Give yourself a virtual high five. You've just listened to another episode of the High Achievers podcast. If you want to learn more and get your hands on the show notes and any links or resources mentioned from today's sponsors, go to creashharder.com.